welcome to everyone first of all. And um, very happy to see uh, you here with us and all those who are uh, with us um, wherever they may be. Uh, we welcome you also. So our subject is no new prophet, but the church is to be led and instructed by inspired teachers. The subject is one that is of tremendous benefit to the Lord's church. And because it is so important, the enemy has made it a special um, battleground. He's made a special effort to confuse Davidians today on this subject. But the truth is very simple and easy to understand. There is no new prophet today, but there is to be uh, a, a continuous uh, supply of teachers, or if you want to use the old terminology used in ancient Israel, prophets. And so to really confuse people, you could say, we don't teach any new prophet, but we teach a lot of prophets today. And now it's not our job to confuse people. That's not our work. So we say teachers, and we'll explain as we go. But the first thought that we will use as our prayer thought is there is to be no other prophet after V.T. Howdoff. However, and General Conference Special, um, page six. However, I would remind you, brethren, that no prophet of God has ever been welcomed by the church. On the contrary, each in his time was rejected, abused, and most of them were martyred by the ones to whom they were sent, the very ones who were supposed to be serving God. Now we have done worse than Israel, Sister White tells us. And we are still doing the same thing. We're rejecting what the Lord sends and demanding something else. Indeed, the Lord himself paid the same price. For this very reason, we must remember that when the last prophet comes, he will have the greatest opposition to meet. For Satan will know, well knows that he that if he loses now, he loses forever. And that is why this, um, this uh, cosmic battle is going on so intensely behind the scenes right now in Davidia. People don't realize that this is a, the, uh, one of the key battles in the great con controversy, a uh, conflict that has been going on for a very long time. And right now, right here, and anywhere there are Davidians, this is battle is raging on a um, very intense level because if Satan loses now, he knows he's going to lose forever. What makes Elijah's work especially hard is that Christendom has long been drilled in the idea that no prophet is to come. 
that there's no necessity for one that has enough, that it has enough revealed truth to carry it inside the pearly gates. Now, Satan is in the business of telling lies and he doesn't mind what kind of lies he tells as long as they're big ones and convincing ones. So he will tell you that you need no prophet or he will tell you you need a new prophet when the last prophet has come. Either way is satisfactory to him. And he does both at the same time. He's, he's, he doesn't have to worry about being consistent. And there's a lot of people out there who are quite happy to buy one or the other, sometimes both. So the last prophet has come. And that last prophet was VTH, VT Howdoff. This command to keep the law, which Moses received in Horeb, is according to the scriptures, uh, to all who are to be living in the great and dreadful day of the Lord. Living when God sends to the world his last prophet, the antitypical Elijah. Behold, he says, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord, Malachi 4.5. And that's quoted in a section of track 13 that is dealing with the gift of the Sabbath truth, which is eternal. It is the law of Moses that Brother Hadaf is um, expanding on there on page 11. But we are you, uh, interested in this um, uh, phrase, his last prophet, the antitypical Elijah. So God has a last prophet. It's going to be antitypical Elijah. From many different proofs, we know that that antitypical Elijah was uh, the author of the shepherd's rod. Now, um, again, General Conference Special, page 23. Since the promise Elijah is to be the last prophet to the church today, as John the Baptist was the last prophet to the church in his day, and since the last work on earth is a judgment for the living, the truth stands forth like the light of day that Elijah's message is the message of the judgment of the living, the last, which in the very nature of the gospel is of far more importance and consequence than any other message ever born to a people. Now, this message, the shepherd's rod, is the message of the great and dreadful day of the Lord, the message of the judgment of the living. That is the message. The messenger is the prophet who brought it, um, Elijah. And nobody can change that. Any kind of sophistry that you want to apply there, it cannot change the facts. And you shouldn't listen to sophistry. Anytime you hear people start with those things, uh, understand that you are a level-headed person and you're not going to be swayed by sophistry, but you also, level-headed people have better things to do than stand around listening to foolishness. Do not subject yourself to things like that. It is uh, the deceit of, the, uh, of Satan uh, for someone to say, uh, well, you know, last doesn't really mean last. And uh, we have uh, more than one Elijah. We have a new antitypical Elijah now for many different reasons, they will tell you. He must be living. He must be here. 
and so on. But nothing can change the fact that the message that Brother Hadith brought was the message of the judgment of the living. That can never be changed. That is a solid fact of the rod. And you can't go back in time, except in the heads of foolish people, and change that. So that we have established, the rod has established very clearly that um, the last prophet has come and he's temporarily gone too. VT Haudaf, the last prophet, anatypical Elijah. And brethren, it's important to know how to handle this subject because you have people shooting at you from the left and the right. And that's how it is when you are walking in the middle of the road where the light is brightest. You present a nice target from both sides and they do want to shoot you, shoot us. Now, we have to handle the truth that uh, Elijah is the last prophet. And if you don't hold that thought carefully in people's mind, they will be willing to open their mind to some um, agent of the, of the iniquitous one, and they will listen when he tells them, well, you know, you need to have a living prophet. Uh, how is the, uh, all things going to be restored if we don't have a living prophet, a living Elijah, and so on? They have many, many things, non-rod things, but they sound logical they re and reasonable to certain people. When you catch people at a vulnerable time in their spiritual life, they can lock on to these things tenaciously. And it's very difficult afterwards for you to go and dig them out. It's a lot easier if those brethren came into the message knowing the truth that there was not going to be any prophets. Uh, as uh, Brother Hadith is defining the word prophet here, none after Elijah. Now, the other point, though, that you have to deal with is from those people who um, they have heard that we teach prophets. How can you teach prophets? Okay, how do you teach prophets, uh, uh, actually inspired teachers? What right do you, Bayesian brethren, have to teach actually inspired teachers? Oh, we need to stand up and explain these things uh, clearly and uh, effectively. If you are going to be in the work, you have to be able to handle these things. It's a requirement. Every, every person needs to be able to give uh, a good uh, answer for what we believe. And it needs to be the very best possible answer. You can't depend on someone else being there in your time of need. It, the, the Lord may have put you in there to, uh, to be the one, and if you um, do a good job, well and good. But if you uh, have not beforehand um, carefully studied these things, how to handle them, uh, you can say something that is, um, uh, has a negative impact. We actually can do harm when we're trying to do good. Okay, so with these thoughts, let's have a word of prayer. Our Father in heaven, we thank you that we have been given uh, the knowledge of this message today, the message of the judgment of the living. We thank you for the part that you have given each and every single one of us Davidians, wherever we are in this message. 
We pray that we will be faithful, that we will understand the things that we profess and that we will be able to make a clear um, defense and explanation of these things uh, if we are required to. And we pray that you will continue to watch over uh, your Davidian children wherever they are, that you will bless them and protect them from the uh, coronavirus epidemic and all the other epidemics of sin that um, are sweeping uh, the earth back and forth. Uh, we pray that you will watch over those who are sick, those who are uh, uh, lonely, those who are um, hungry. We pray that you will be with these people in a very special way and that you will also help uh, all your true children uh, to do all that is possible to alleviate the needs of these brethren. We pray that you will be with our grown Davidian children, uh, those who are drifting away and those who have already uh, lost sight of the truth of the message. We pray that you will touch their hearts and that um, that you will draw them back into uh, the, uh, the true understanding of the message that they once had. And we pray that uh, you also uh, continue to draw all of us, wherever we are and whatever association we are, that you'll continue to bring us closer together so that someday soon we can be uh, one family, uh, one group of brothers and sisters again. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Many have uh, gone out from among us, especially our young people. And I'm not sure it was always in the case of because they were never of us. In some cases, they never really understood what we teach. The message is a very beautiful message, a prophetic message that fits together remarkable in remarkable ways that we don't even fully understand right now. But there's always an uncertainty, uh, a necessary uh, degree of uncertainty in everything. God does not propose to force the conscience of anyone. He doesn't propose to make things so uh, definite that even the evil, the wicked, uh, will believe, like we know uh, Satan and his angels believe. That is not God's purpose. He has given us free will, and he is not going to push the truth down our throat in such a way that we cannot reject it. But the message is a remarkable, remarkable message once people start to dig into it and see how these things fit together. Now, sometimes things don't seem to fit together on the surface, and that's, there's good reasons, like I said, for that. That's uh, at least in part the necessary uncertainty that must be. And a very good example of this is prophets. We are to be led by a prophet to the end of time, the church must have inspiration. It must have the living spirit of prophecy. 
Uh, it, without that, there, uh, no uh, revival and reformation is possible. All those things, and at the same time, the last prophet, Brother V.T. Howdoff, is dead, and there is no other prophet after. How do we, regard, how do we hold those th seemingly conflicting thoughts in our minds and reconcile them? And the way that they are reconciled is one of the arrows of proof pointing to the Davidian people because no one would imagine quite the system that the Lord has. They don't. They, they imagine all kinds of things, but they do not imagine what the message teaches. And it's the message that teaches these things, brethren. And uh, what is all that is required on our part is to teach all of the message. We, many we, people, uh, many Davidians today would be happy to agree with us that the promised Elijah is the last prom prophet. Many, many people would agree with that. He is the last prophet, brethren, and you need to be able to say that too and without any, any concern or, or reservation. But is that all that the message says? See, we don't stop right there. We have to teach the entire message. Someone has to te teach the entire message and that is the requirement that we have been under. So we'll begin with um, these thoughts uh, from the Leviticus, page 25. There are diversities of gifts, but the same spirit. That actually tells you how we're going to solve all the problems. Right there. Okay? It's the same spirit. And if you thought that the spirit of prophecy was different from something else, uh, that is not what the message teaches. Uh, this is from uh, manuscript two manuscript releases, page um, 189. The Holy Ghost is the author of the scriptures and of the spirit of prophecy. Those, uh, sorry, these are not to be twisted and turned to mean what man may want them to mean, to carry out man's ideas and sentiments, to carry forward man's schemes at all hazards. The Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost, is the author of the spirit of prophecy. It is, uh, the office of the spirit of prophecy is a particular office, a particular work of the Holy Spirit, but it's the same spirit in different um, manifestations. Thus, every true spirit follower of Christ is inspired in his own lot. Inspired by who? The same spirit, okay? The, living, the spirit of prophecy. Not the living spirit of prophecy, the spirit of prophecy. The living, spirit, living part comes when you add the human being. And we will touch on that perhaps, but, um, but what we are concerned about right at this point is the spirit of prophecy. Thus, every true follower of Christ is inspired in his own lot, one to interpret, another to study, still another to teach, and yet still another to discern, and all to act and sacrifice for his sake. So uh, the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of prophecy is at work today. And that's good news, brethren, because without the Spirit of prophecy, the church would be blind. We would not know which way to go. It is true that every follower of Christ is inspired in his own lot. Now, are we all inspired 
to be pipes to interpret the scripture. There's so many people out there who want to interpret scripture. It is so interesting and it's, it's sad too, but uh, we see people just come right up out of nowhere in front of us and start interpreting scripture and even acknowledge that they are anatypical this or that. We have just been introduced to anatypical Joseph out there in the wilds of Facebook. And if you didn't know that we needed anatypical Joseph, well, he's going to let you know that eventually, uh, as he did, as we, as he, as he let us know. Anyway, um, this is, it is sad, sad, very sad for him, very, very sad for anyone who listens to him because uh, there is one last prophet, uh, which is Brother Howdoff, but we still have inspiration all around. Uh, and here's the secret, another secret. True inspiration from the Holy Spirit over here doesn't conflict with Holy, the Holy Spirit's work over here. If it does conflict, it's not from the Holy Spirit. It's not the spirit of prophecy at work. It's the spirit of the enemy at work. But to have every true follower of Christ inspired is not a problem because they're not inspired in a, in a crazy way where everyone's popping up with a um, speaking in tongues, you know? Sometimes the, the process can be just as today, can be just as crazy today in a Pentecostal church as it was when Paul rebuked them. Everybody's talking in some crazy made up language in the Pentecostal church. And um, that's not of the Spirit of God, but what is, what is of the true Spirit is where people are inspired within the area that the Lord has given them to study, to teach, to discern, and to act. Do you know the inspiration to act is one of the most important inspirations, that, uh, uh, types of inspiration that we can have? If you are inspired in your everyday work, think about that. That's a pretty wonderful inspiration. And the Lord is offering it, offering it to us too. Without a vision, you see, the people perish. And also without an interpreter and without faith, they likewise perish. And this is why the spirit of prophecy is an absolute necessity to the people of God in all generations. Now, we have to read this just the way it says, the uh, absolute necessity to the people of God and all generations. And when we do this, by the way, we close the door very firmly to the branch and all those people because they will drive through in a tank, as it were, for those people who say, no spirit of prophecy today, and they will use these statements and just run over people, defenseless laymen uh, uh, from other groups because they do not acknowledge the numerous, and I'm not going to read that many of these statements, the numerous statements in the rod that show that the spirit of prophecy, inspiration, is a necessity from now to the end. And so the branch comes in and like, we don't you see? Yes, I see that. Yes, uh, in all generations and uh, today and so on. And so, uh, uh, so then they introduce their, their new prophet, whichever prophet they are speaking for. They've got a bunch, conflicting ones. 
But the point is we need to close that door once and for all when they arrive with their, 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 in their own mind, with their tank of their own made up truth, the gate has to be blocked, barricaded, uh, uh, mined. It needs to be completely impossible to them. The minds of the brethren need to be completely certain that yes, brother, there is going to be inspiration in all generations, but not your kind, not a new interpretative prophet every few years. And that's how the branch does. And that's how Brother Sam does. He uses these statements very heavily. He just copies directly, word for word, from uh, what the branch teaches. I actually have copied down some of the arguments that they have made and, and can show them. And uh, we have to be able to close that door. Yes, there is uh, a necessity to have, uh, absolute necessity uh, to the people of God in all generations. But it didn't say that there was going to be many interpretative prophets. In fact, uh, there's two pipes, two. Only the two pipes can interpret Bible prophecy, no one else. Now, several of these points I covered last week and we're gonna go quickly, but the interpretation of the scriptures therefore being entrusted to the two pipes, prophets in the Christian era, we showed that that was Sister White and Brother Howdoff. It's, it's not at all difficult to show very conclusively in the Christian era shows that no prophecy of the scripture is of any private interpretation, but is of, is of inspiration only. We can't interpret ourselves. They're, they're, I get people mistakenly criticizing me for not having any new light, but they don't know, or they're not paying attention. I'm actually smiling. Yes, I don't have any new light. <laughs> You're looking in the wrong direction. We don't have new light. Uh, we, uh, only the two pipes bring out new light. And that's it. There was no more. And there isn't gonna be any more. And we need to have every single Davidian everywhere understand that. There are new young Davidians who don't. And they get taken advantage of. It's a wicked thing for us not to do our very best for these people. So God has a perfect system of preparing and dispensing uh, the word. And, and he uh, displays that in um, the, uh, the symbolism of Zechariah 4. And I'm not sure that I'm going to read this, but um, we notice the two golden pipes, the interpreters, God's inspired interpreters, they store the golden oil in the golden bowl. The spirit of prophecy publications. There is a difference between spirit of prophecy itself, the office of the spirit of prophecy, and the spirit of prophecy publications inside the golden bowl. And then the seven tubes, the entire ministry, convey from the golden bowl the golden oil to the seven golden lamps the entire laity. Now, this is what Brother Hadith taught in, in the message. This is not our own teaching. It's not a democratic teaching, you know. A democratic teaching is let's all gather around the bowl for our fair share. 
That's a democratic teaching. But God is not a Democrat. And the, me the message does not teach that. And whether we like it or not, there is a certain way of putting the oil in, and there's a certain way of taking it out. Now, it's not about, about position and so on. Those who want to lift themselves up will be humbled. But what it's about is about protection. If, the, if it's the true ministry that is taking out the, uh, the, the oil, they are under a special command from the Lord not to change anything, not to add their own teachings, to teach just what it says. And that's what they will do, too. So um, the Lord has this perfect system of preparing and dispensing the word of God. Is it all in action right now? No, it is not uh, all in action. The two tubes are not uh, are dormant right now. In the kingdom of God, they will once again take up their work, which is what? Putting oil into the bowl, truth, light. But they're not active now. So the symbolism is not entirely active, but it is active. You can see uh, that the lights are lit there. Oil is getting through. And so it is in action in, in the sense that the stored oil is being distributed. And there's no fear that it will run dry. Now, there is a great fear among the false prophets of that very thing. They're constantly worrying that we are lack uh, uh, their new light, that we are running out of new light and that we need their new light. But that's nothing to fear about. We don't have to fear about. There's no fear that the reservoir of truth in the golden bowl will run out. What is that? Relax, be at ease. Uh, we don't have to become Laodiceans in our attitude about this, but we need to understand that there's no fear that the reservoir will run dry. You, you figure yourself as a bottom tube somewhere or something coming in from the backside or roundabout or whatever. People have all kinds of ways of finding a place for themselves. And that's not what the seven tubes mean. It means all, the entire ministry. It's not one tube for you and one tube for you and so on. That's not what God said. The entire ministry is represented by the seven tubes. Inspiration plainly states the entire Davidian ministry, by the way. And, and that is an easy point to answer because they are bringing present truth and you are not going to find the Adventist ministry bringing present truth to the laity today. It would be nice if they were, but that's not what they do. Inspiration plainly states that today there is to be a message born to the people of God. That that message is to be born not by ordinary men, but by ministers called especially for that purpose. And that it is not a message of peace and safety as the ministry in general would naturally have it. 1 TG 29.5. These messengers, these ministers, these members of the seven tube symbolism are actually called by God. And we covered that I think last week and I took it out, but today God chooses men as he chose Moses to be his messengers. How did he chose Mo Moses? Directly. If, uh, if you are called to be a minister today, he's going to call you and he's going to make it clear. In a burning bush? No. 
many people were called in different ways. I don't know that he would call you in a burning bush at all, but he will call you direct. And nobody can call you for God. Okay, God has to speak to you as he spoke to Moses for you to be one of these, this special group of ministers, not ordinary men and women, by the way. Well, the two pipes are not active today. Inspiration, the spirit of prophecy, is still very much active in other ways. And again, uh, the same quote uh, uh, reprinted in answer 154, every true follower of Christ is inspired in his own lot. One to interpret, that's not active. Another to study, one to teach, to discern, all to act and to sacrifice for his sake. So to teach, what do ministers do in theory? That's, that's their job, to teach, to, to teach the message, to teach the truth, to share the truth with people. And to discern is to understand. It takes inspiration to discern the message. Many people can only discern contradictions and problems. And you know why? The Holy Spirit has not touched their heart, not opened their minds and their eyes. And so they, they don't see. And it's a good thing too. If the Lord is not inspiring them to discern, there's a reason. Perhaps they're not ready to come in. So for some people, sadly, they will never be ready. And so, uh, there are those who are inspired to discern, to understand, and, and, uh, and we are all inspired to act and to sacrifice for his sake. The sacrifice part I was thinking about recently, you know, you can, you can talk about Laodiceans, but there are Laodiceans out there who sacrifice. There are families out there who, uh, who have uh, uh, accepted the call to the mission field, and they have gone out there. Uh, I remember the, the study that Sister Claudette had to this very day <laughs> about the jiggers <laughs> uh, 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 eating into your skin that the family had a problem with, mission family. Um, and uh, we've actually had one of our field workers encounter this. Uh, he, the field worker will remain anonymous unless he wants to stand up and, and take credit. <laughs> uh, I see it as creditable, creditable. He didn't go and deliberately do that, but he was in a situation where um, it was not entirely safe or healthy in, in that small way. And uh, well, you know, uh, I don't see the Lord would ask me to be put in that situation. I don't see that. Well, you know what? He won't put you in that situation. He won't give you that opportunity. If you don't want that opportunity, if you cannot sacrifice for the Lord's sake, he's not going to ask you to sacrifice for his sake. And that is why some of the Laodiceans out there that you may look down on, they are inspired to go into the mission field and brave these hazards and uh, you are wrong to look down on these people. I don't think we do that much really, but we shouldn't. Too many Davidians are too committed to their life of ease. 
Whatever we have now, we want, and we want more, and we don't want any, to lose anything, and we're not really ready to go and sacrifice all. And brethren, those people who continue like that are not ready to be part of the 144,000 either. I'm sorry, but you will never be part of the 144,000 with that attitude, never. If we are not able to uh, act and sacrifice uh, for his sake, all. Okay, so inspiration is around. It is, it is um, among God's people. It's not just common, it's universal. And when we say inspiration, keep in mind there's one spirit, the same spirit. Okay, the spirit of prophecy, the Holy Spirit. The Protestant world has long held the concept that God does not in this age employ an inspired mouthpiece to interpret the scriptures and declare his will, but invests and leads each Christian individually. This theory, however, is now, this is a shameful thing, but there are Davidians today, independents who believe this in their hearts and many times from their lips, they will say this. This theory is universally exploded when viewed in the light of the fact that those individuals claiming to be personally led of God disagree among themselves just as much as the various sects disagree with one another. Answer 3, page 29. So very plainly, the word of God cannot be rightly interpreted privately without the aid of inspiration. Who is the inspired interpreters? Who? Amen, amen, amen. It is Brother Haraf and Sister White, brethren. No one else. Now, we can be inspired to discern. We can be inspired to act. We, we can, do, we can look, take the message and say, look, the message says um, we are not invested uh, and led uh, b uh, by the Lord individually. Okay? Uh, uh, um, uh, we are not um, inspired, I should say, and led by the Lord individually. We can take these things that we read here and we can apply them to ourselves, first of all, and to whatever situation. But we don't interpret the scripture. We don't, we don't um, uh, interpret the, uh, the uh, we, we don't, we're not a source for the golden oil. Um, all Davidians apply things from the message. If you think you know what is the meaning of the knockout blow, that is an application from the message because Brother Haref was passed away when the knockout blow took place. He couldn't tell us what it meant, but it was so plain that we all have a pretty clear idea of what the knockout blow was. That's an application from the message, but we are not able to go straight to the Bible as the um, Protestant world thinks and each one being led of the Lord uh, in some strange path of his own. That is, that is the way they do, not us. But unfortunately, this view has crept into Davidia. Many people think that they can go straight to the Bible and open it up and here, study with me, brother, on this new uh, Jeremiah 50, uh, 17 and 18, okay? Uh, and you can't do that. If that Jeremiah 50 is not interpreted by one of the, uh, the, uh, the, by the pipes, um, 
then it's just not in the golden bowl. And it will be interpreted someday. Everything will be used up. All the truth in the, mess, uh, in the, in the Bible will be used up. But it's not yet. And we, there's nothing we can do about it. And many other things besides Jeremiah uh, 50, uh, uh, 17 and 18. People just want to stick their little pipe into the tree constantly and come up with new ideas. And this is not what the world needs today. What the world needs today is not preachers, uh, and not pipes either, but teachers who can teach with one hand and use a pick or shovel with the other hand. That's what we need right now. We have uh, the schools of the prophets, uh, a number of them ready to go. And uh, we need teachers who can teach and build at the same time. But people are not used to doing things like that, and they don't even want to do things like that, and they don't know how to do things like that. Now, it's very interesting. You brethren who have been reading this so long, I guess you think that that pick was uh, um, spiritual. It was a, a pick and shovel with a spiritual illusion there, not literal. And so most of you don't know how to use a pick and shovel. And I, I am a, a offended because we are scrabbling all around looking for people to send out right now. We are, we are having, um, having a difficulty finding people who are teachers with one hand and people who can um, work with pick and shovel and construction in the other hand. And by the way, one of the most dangerous occupations you can find today is to be a Bayesian field worker. We have Bayesian field workers who are under various uh, difficulties right now. Um, uh, things, just little things happen, big things happen. And uh, the enemy is focused like a laser on you brethren. And he will do whatever he can to harm, to distract. And that's why, brethren, we cannot afford to be even a little bit out of touch with the Lord. Not one, we can't be out of step even a little bit. As soon as we start to take our eye off of the Lord like Peter, we're sunk. The enemy is after us. Remember, it is not as if, as if we were um, Protestants or even Adventists or whatever. The intensity of the combat level from the enemy is very, very high. And you better know uh, to a certain extent what I'm saying, but it's very true. It is dangerous to be a, a Bayesian field worker spiritually and physically. We have not had any anybody, any anyone, any fatalities. At Mount Carmel, there were several fatalities in the workers, at least two. And we have not had any, but that is only because the Lord has laid a, a, uh, a boundary there that the enemy cannot cross. But that's not to say that he will never be able to do uh, all that is in his mind to do. Uh, and especially if we do take our eyes off the Lord. The two people who died at Mount Carmel were Eugene Lipsy, um, and uh, very early, and uh, uh, Brother Ralph Peterman uh, in the middle. Uh, Eugene Lipsy was um, was um, killed by a fast-moving infection, and um, uh, in the days before penicillin, and. Um, 
And that's one thing Brother Haddiff really learned afterwards, the uh, penicillin, uh, when, they, when it did come out, that it could save lives. Another thing, other, uh, Brother Peterman was sent up an electrical pole. And um, unlike Brother Moore, he didn't have the training to go up the pole. And the high voltage uh, is not like commonplace voltage. It's, it's something that um, Brother Moore has been trained to work with in his younger days. I have never worked with it myself, and I, I never have any, had any desire to come a bit close to it. But, um, but they did have problems, okay? And the enemy is after us. What we need um, now, today, actually inspired teachers. Isaiah 2.22, cease ye for man whose breath is in his nostrils, for wherein is he to be accounted of? Here's God's simple remedy for his people. They should cease listening to soothsayers. They should instead hear what inspiration has to say. They should study God's word for themselves with the aid of actually inspired teachers of God and make their own decisions. Never, never rely upon the decisions and judgments of others, no matter what they are or who they be. 1 TG 29, page 12. God has a simple remedy, but his people don't want to hear it. You see, the seven tubes are required under special circumstances that we're going to read in a moment. They are required not to teach their own truth, their own ideas with special penalties. They're required to bring the truth to the laity. That's their job. But instead of doing this, God's people don't want to accept his simple remedy. They want to be self-dippers, okay? Now there's no, no doctrine of self-dipping in the message. That is not in the message. And I know it's not a very democratic idea for some of you, I'm sorry, but you just have to like step back and say, um, my way or your way, Lord? Which is it going to be? And for, sadly, for some people, it's gonna be their way all the way. But um, God's simple remedy for his people is they should cease listening to soothsayers. They should instead hear what inspiration has to say. They should study God's word for themselves with the aid of actually inspired teachers of God, the seven tubes. That's the mechanism that the Lord is using to bring the truth to people, not their ideas. And brethren, if you are a teacher, it's a very serious uh, malfeasance for you to insert your own ideas on anything. Don't do it. It puts you in a dangerous situation, spiritually and maybe otherwise. Thus it, is the clear, thus it is clear that the testimony of Jesus and the spirit of prophecy are synonymous terms for a timely message sent from God, meet in due season. The spirit of prophecy, therefore, is God's means of communicating from heaven directly to his church on earth, as well as unfolding the sealed prophecies to her. Now, that secondary mechanism, the secondary purpose of the, the spirit of prophecy, or we could say the primary, uh, it really doesn't matter, but that, that purpose is not active. It is not, unfolding of the seal prophecies is not active today, but God's, the spirit of prophecy is still God's mean of communi means of communicating, still active. 
and must be until the end of time. And that's a very important thing to understand. It is what the message teaches. It may not be what you have heard, but it is what the message teaches. And if we are going to be concerned with everything in the message, we're gonna be concerned with this from 2TG 45, page six. To have the spirit of prophecy is to have the spirit who uttered the prophecies. Is that clear? It's pretty clear the spirit is the Holy Spirit in the office of the spirit of prophecy, but it's the Holy Spirit. And who only can interpret them for no prophecy of the scripture is of any private interpretation nor without the inspiration of the same spirit. It took the spirit of prophecy to put the truth into the Bible, anciently. It's not surprising that it takes the spirit of prophecy to teach the truth today. That should not surprise us. Uh, let me, let me uh, fine tune that. It's, it should not surprise us that it takes the spirit of prophecy uh, to take the truth out of the Bible into the golden bowl today. It should not surprise us. And as I said to begin with, it should not surprise us that it takes inspiration, the spirit of prophecy, the Holy Spirit, uh, uh, that same spirit of prophecy to teach the, pro the message correctly. You see, Brother Adam says that there's a lot of problems that come from failing to understand the way the author intended the message to be, the, the writing. If we don't care or know what was intended originally, we can go say all kinds of things. And so it does take a degree of inspiration to teach the message exactly as Brother Hadif taught it. Now, we're not saying that um, the inspiration to teach the message is the same degree it's, it's so uh, that those people are so directly inspired as the prophet or pipe when he took out the message for the truth from the olive trees. We're not saying that. That is a direct inspiration. The second is an indirect, more indirect inspiration, but it is still the same spirit. Remember, one spirit, the same spirit at work. Today, as in apostolic times, the, this spirit manifests in a, in a body of inspired helpers or servants. What is a helper? A helper is a servant, and what is a, a, another name, a, a King James name for a servant is minister, okay? Minister is servant. I know that today there are many people, especially ministers, who forget that the, the word means servant, but that's what it means. Moreover, these passages say that though the prophecy itself does demand an individual prophet, it does demand an individual, one, not a group, not five Elijahs, four Elijahs, whatever, uh, many Elijahs. The branch taught many Elijahs, Brother Haruf, I mean, Brother Sam teaches four Elijahs, okay? Um, yes, four Elijahs, he's the fourth. Um, but that's not it, it's an individual, okay? And if we care about what the message says, we're not gonna have the slightest concern about these other people with their multiple Elijahs and so on. Moreover, these passages say that though the prophecy itself does demand an individual prophet, 
It does not restrict the work to an individual, but to a group, a group of helpers, to a body of helpers directed by the Lord, directed by the Lord's spirit, okay, by the spirit of prophecy, and endowed with the spirit and power of Elijah. What spirit and power did he have? The, the spirit of prophecy. That was the spirit that he had, and the spirit of, uh, to identify um, uh, um, uh, error and to, uh, and to bring reformation. Now, that is the way the Lord works today. He doesn't have to have Elijah here. Elijah was necessary to start the work, but he was, his, his job was also to bring that body of, of helpers together. And, and that body of helpers, that inspired seven, two body of ministers, all the ministers, is how the Lord is working today. If we, we, it's not a matter of what we like or don't like, brethren. This is what the message teaches. It does not teach that Brother Haref will not die. It does not say that in the message. There is a letter that Brother Haref wrote that I have a copy of. It's not of great interest, and I never put it out, I don't think. But I, and when I say it's not of great interest, I mean that there are several issues with the letter. It's a genuine letter. But a copy, but um, but there's still issues. But here's the thing: that in that letter, Brother Hadif says uh, to the brother, um, "What of it if I die? Would God be dead? Okay, would God be dead? Of course not." And Brother Hadif never said that he had to stay alive all the way to the end. But the work continues. The body of helpers continues. The pipes stop. The, the bowl is full. The, the Sister White stopped her work. Brother Hadif stopped his work. That's not it so surprising. The message actually says we have sufficient oil. He uses the word sufficient in that exact context. So to get to the kingdom, not to pearly gates, as you can quickly uh, think and contradict. But that's not what Brother Hadif said, to the kingdom. So uh, we have this body of helpers today. And anyone who stands up and tells you that uh, you need to believe in him because he's a prophet, he's Elijah, or whatever, this is a person who is speaking the words of the enemy. Don't believe him. Don't be impressed. Don't even listen. Why would you put yourself in, on enchanted ground with these people? These people do work for the enemy in a very direct way. If you want to put yourself on the enemy's ground in a safer way, and this is safer, go to a place that is having a voodoo ceremony. Go to there. You will be safer than listening to these false prophets. I always have to tell the story at this point of the time we... We were passing through a, the town center of a, little, of a city in Haiti in the midst of their voodoo ceremony. Uh, you saw voodoo priestess and so on uh, with their little canes. They have these little red and white canes and, and they were dancing and carrying on uh, converging. And 
I know that the brethren would probably deny this, but I felt like they were very uncomfortable to be there. <laughs> and uh, I, I feel like they found an opportunity to make a U-turn and turn around from where we were going, which is the same as where they were going, toward the center, and make a wide detour of that. But you know, we should do that exact thing in our everyday life when we meet one of these false prophets. You make a wide detour around that person. It is the only safe thing to do. And if you think you're strong, uh, lots of people have thought they were strong, brethren. And uh, it is, um, you do not pick up the sword uh, 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 and, and, and put it down unscathed. It is always going to cut both ways. It is always going to do some damage. Best to detour around the false prophet, leave him. Uh, the Lord will deal with it. You can talk to his people. You want to rescue the people, but don't, don't be, uh, be very cautious about these people themselves. They are false prophets of Baal, literally. And many Davidians have not really internalize that understanding. The term prophet, now we use the word prophet sometimes, it, technically uh, in a doctrinal sense, sometimes we have to use the word prophet to apply to the ministers, the seven tubes. And there is a reason why the message requires prophets, but it is what kind of prophets? And we don't make this stuff up. You have to listen carefully to what the message says. The term prophet, as used in the Bible, is employed to designate men and women engaged in a wide range of service in connection with the work of God. Some of these never uttered a prophecy as that term is generally understood. Some were used only for a special occasion, others for a long series of years. Some wrote out the message God revealed to them. Others gave them orally. To some, as in the case of Daniel and others, were committed prophecies reaching into the distant future, portions of which are still unfulfilled. That is a prophet, isn't it? That he was a prophet, wasn't he? Yes, he was, but you know what? There was, it was employed to designate men and women engaged in a wide range of work. Some of them never uttered a prophecy. So what is this uh, word prophet anyway? If it can mean, if it can talk about people who are prophesying and people who are not prophesying, what's the common um, connection between them? And the common connection is the spirit of prophecy, inspiration at work. It for a purpose, for a divine purpose. Not always to give a written prophecy of the far distant future, not always to utter a prophecy period, but it's, it was the spirit of prophecy at work for the Lord's purposes. Now, the ever living testimony of the spirit of prophecy continues in our, in our own day and on. This is very important, brethren, because that we have the branch and the wave sheaf and so on abuse this. They use this statement on susceptible little ones in the message and say, look, it must continue. We must have a prophet. I am the prophet. 
I am Elijah. Throughout these pages, the spirit of prophecy has, by the prophetic word, proved itself invulnerable to attack. It has vindicated itself not as a voice beginning with Moses and ending before John the Baptist, but as the ever-living testimony, beginning with creation and continuing with the patriarchs, Enoch, Noah, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. Now, that line, that line of succession there is also the exact line of succession for the keys of the kingdom, which are used uh, by prophetic um, uh, inspiration, by the, by the inspiration of the spirit of prophecy. With the patriarchs, uh, and then with the prophets, next with the apostles, and finally with the messengers of the Lord in our own day, and on. Now, if we just read this statement and we didn't have the statement before this in our minds, we would be, oh, yes, we have to have prophets, a new prophet. We have to have a prophet today, a, a, a major prophet, a prophet to uh, interpret, and so on. No, brethren, this is not what the Lord is saying. He, he has teachers, actually inspired teachers, ministers, seven tubes, and anciently it was, they were called prophets, yes. And technically we can call them prophets today, especially if you want to confuse someone, like I said, uh, really truly confuse someone, uh, you can say prophets. But um, it, we do believe in the spirit of prophecy today and on. And we have explained to you how the message shows that works. Another one that is used by the enemy agents is this uh, from 1 TG 10, 27. Without the living spirit of prophecy in our midst, there can be no success in any revival or reformation. That is true, brethren. If we do not have the living spirit of prophecy in our midst, we are not going to make it. Now, the living spirit of prophecy is not the living spirit of prophecy of publications. And you, you can try to tongue twist it into that, but that is not what is being said here and is not what is meant uh, anywhere in the message. Without the living spirit of prophecy in our midst, there can be no success in any revival and reformation. And the sooner we know it, the quicker we shall achieve our goal. Who is an example of the living spirit of prophecy? Ideally, every Davidian is an example of the living spirit of prophecy at work. And that may be a hard thing for you to swallow, but it's very true. We, uh, Bashan has always taught that the seven tubes, uh, the, the helpers were part of that um, living spirit of prophecy uh, process. And um, this is not new, but I do want to clear this uh, potential uh, confusion on the part of anyone, especially Bashan brethren, but anyone who does not, is not sure about this, um, we must have the living spirit of prophecy in our midst. Now, the, uh, Brother Hadith itemizes a, a, a list of, of, of ways that the uh, spirit of prophecy is manifested, the way inspiration is uh, manifested in individuals. And uh, they're not all the same. One to interpret. It didn't say all to interpret. Think of what a madhouse that would be. Everybody has his interpretation. It would be like we were uh, part of Davidia then, 
And I guess we should say, come out of Davidia, if that's what it's going to be like. Everybody interpreting their own uh, uh, verse, their own thought. It's not so. One to interpret. And that is uh, closed down right now. The pipe is not open. There's no more truth coming into the bowl. But is that, does that mean that the Lord has forsaken the earth? That he no longer sends his spirit as before time? No, of course not. There's no doubt that the church from creation till today has been led and preserved by the prophets and she can continue in no other way from here on. Okay, so now we come right down to the word prophets and most Davidians are defenseless to the branch. This is another place where they drive their tank, their prophetic tank right over an average a young Davidian. And uh, is we have to have prophets, brother. There's no other way we can continue. Okay, but it's prophets. But we have one Elijah. We had the last prophet. Why did brother have to say prophets? Because everything fits together when you understand it. And it is prophets today. It, if you want to call the teachers prophets, you can call them that. And you best make sure that the brother knows what the message says, what uh, uh, defines about that, so he'll, that he will know what you're talking about. And there is no other way from here on but this way, this God-ordained uh, symbolism uh, that uh, Zechariah 4 uh, teaches. Seven tubes, actually inspired teachers, uh, inspired by the spirit of prophecy uh, 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 to teach, okay? Not to interpret. And um, uh, that is uh, um, a, a fundamental uh, a point that if people understand, we could slowly but surely close down all these uh, self uh, um, designated prophets in Davidia. They only feed off of the ignorance of the brethren. They take a statement like this and say, look, prophets, prophets, yet to have prophets. And it's only because they were not taught and we need to teach them prophets. Oh yes, we do believe in prophets. We just don't use the, um, the, the, the ancient word as a commonplace thing. But uh, the thought that the message, the interpretation of that word given by the message, oh yes, that is of course absolutely correct and it's in effect today. And it must be, there's no other way for the church to succeed. And again, next the Davidians hold that the belief, uh, hold the belief that the spirit of prophecy is to repose in the church to the end of time. Uh, is, is one of the foundation stones of Seventh-day Adventism. And this was one of the foundation stones of Adventism. They're busy chipping away at it uh, wherever and however they can. But we still hold it to be one of the foundation stones. And yes, the spirit of prophecy is to repose in the church to the end of time. And you brethren who want to see the spirit of prophecy manifested in only one person. You have nothing to say for that. Uh, you have nothing to show that. Uh, and Bashan's teachings has always been that it was uh, to be uh, um, summarized in the um, 
the, the symbolism of the seven tubes, the helpers, okay? That has always been the teaching. People like to um, lift up someone, okay? They like to lift up one, their fellow brother, fellow uh, 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 a person. Uh, they want to make much of someone. It is a false view. And when you see, um, when you see um, other teachers, other ministers allowing that to happen, you see iniquity. You see a false minister. You see the wrong thing. That is not the way uh, the Lord would have us uh, do. Uh, the Lord worked in the time of the apostles through uh, the through the uh, uh, the outpouring of the spirit of prophecy on on them. Uh, as we move back closer uh, to the second. Uh, Pentecost, we're going to see that more and more. And Brother Hadith already established that. It's already um, uh, in place in the mechanism of the seven tubes, the Davidian ministry. Now, we have said this before, and we just remind uh, uh, any, any uh, uh, people who are uh, 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 too eager beaver about uh, uh, prophesying and so on, that true inspiration, people all speak the same thing. You have people going off with some new idea, some new interpretation and so on. Uh, and it's like, well, brother, um, we are all pure. We're all holy. Every man here is holy and I can say whatever I want. Uh, not quite, okay? We, I can't say whatever I want and neither can anyone. We have to limit ourselves to what the message says. My brethren, as you have trimmed your lamps, will you not have also avail yourself of the extra oil, truth, and act like men who are looking for their Lord to come? No one denies the fact of your being God's people, but remember that the Jews also were once his people. Your assertion that there shall be no more prophets, and once again, plural, he only had to say that once, you know, to make it part of the doctrine but it's a number of times. Your assertion that there shall be no more prophets is casting off beforehand the latter rain and the loud cry. 2SR page 274. Now, if we don't have an answer for the branch and the wave sheaf and all the rest, and there is a bunch of rests, by the way, most people don't realize how many false prophets they are running around in Davidia. They should not be running around free, quite a few of them, but, um, but they are. And, uh, and you will be surprised at how many there are. And when they come to you, when they come to your little one, your, your young convert, when you're not around, and they say, look, we have to, the, the message says that there's going to be more prophets. What are you going to, what, what's your person going to do? Are they taught? Are they, are, they, are they armored against this? They do need to be able to answer this. Yes, there's going to be prophets, but not in that sense, brother. Uh, this is used in a less direct sense of prophets who never uttered a prophecy. Teaching, instructors, and they'll be safe. Right now, um, there's there are very many people who are um, um, every year um, 
coming into the message and going out of the message into the branch and the wave sheaf. We have a small problem with it ourselves, but it's relatively small, and I'm, I'm being honest with you. But certain other associations have a big problem. And it's one thing to be in a sister association uh, that is a real um, uh, Davidian association because they, they love the message and, they, and they're not teaching a, a new Elijah and so on. But it's an altogether different thing to be trapped in one of these other associations or these new places. These people are cult figures. They are false prophets. They are constantly coming up with false time setting. It's, it's amazing what Davidians are put through with these people. A new false uh, Ezekiel 9 every year, somewhere in the, in the message. Did you have your hand up? Hi, I just was impressed with what you were saying, and it reminded me of the statement in General Conference Special, page 7. It says, the old devil has already put all his forces to work, piping pleasing tunes to lure truth seekers to climb aboard his golden bandwagon. Its glittering tinsel of truth is already beguiling many with his wares, while his captains and generals are to the top of their voices shouting, hallelujah, holy ghost, gift of healing, gift of tongues, gift of miracles, and all the rest, although the entire fanfare is devoid even of a spark of life. Amen, very good. Okay, so again, it is a body of helpers, not an individual. And this is something that um, we are to understand. Now, we're teaching inspiration, widespread, not narrow. And we have to teach the full understanding about this. Uh, should I look for dreams and visions then, myself, or should you? Uh, and should I believe my dreams and visions if they are contradictory to the message? Or should you believe your dreams and visions if they are contradictory to the message? A lot of people out there who do have dreams and put stock in their dreams will say, uh, my dream, brother, uh, put the rod over here on the altar, but I'm sticking with my dream. They're literally people who do this, and they do it out of ignorance. They don't understand how the message teaches inspiration works. It's real, but it's easy to become confused by it, too. This is uh, 2 TG 46:34. Be glad then, ye children of Zion, <coughs> excuse me, and rejoice in the Lord your God. For he hath given you the former rain moderately, and he will cause to come down for you the rain, the former rain, and the latter rain in the first month. And it shall come to pass afterwards that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. Your young men shall see visions, Joel 2, 23, 28. Here too, in plainest terms, is set forth the truth that after, not before, the former and the latter rain, both of which are figurative of freshly revealed truths coming directly from the throne of God, preceding the harvest, during the time of the great harvest, during the gathering of the people, these gifts of miracles will be restored. After, after Ezekiel 9, okay? It is not going to be before. Now, that doesn't mean that anyone should limit 
the, the Lord, he can still uh, make his will clear to us. And uh, so we need to be aware of that. But if we um, are a recipient of some kind of inspiration, we need to be careful. We cannot set our inspiration against Elijah's inspiration. He was directly inspired. We are not so directly inspired. But that's not how people think. It's my inspiration. I'm going with it. Okay, don't do that, brethren. Uh, be very cautious about your inspiration, about setting it up against Brother Hadaf's inspiration. If it is apparently contradicted by the message, best to set it aside. Okay, the, the, the Lord does not speak in, with uh, uh, two tongues. He does not tell one person one thing and another another thing. Uh, do not be deceived about this. Now, those who are called to teach, the Lord has a special instruction for them. And I'm just going to read this uh, part here, uh, the larger part. Thus it is that any who are called to teach what the spirit of prophecy unfolds to them should not aspire to private, uninspired interpretation of the scriptures. If they do, they and all who follow them will have their reward unless they repent. 2 TG 24, 25. Brethren, that is a very important thing. Any minister, any teacher, anyone who has been truly called of the Lord to teach is never going to have any private interpretation. Never. And what does it mean when you see someone who you thought was a teacher then begin, and there's someone like this right now in... Africa, that's a close enough to say. He was a teacher for some association, and um, he's the person who's teaching the typology of Joseph, okay? And um, uh, also time-setting Ezekiel 9 and, and other things. Now, he was once a teacher, but was he truly called, okay? He was not called of the Lord. It says, any who are called to teach what the spirit of prophecy unfolds to them, if he had been truly called by the spirit of prophecy, he would not be out there teaching his own new message. He even has a name for it. I call it the early warning message, but he has another name for it, which I have somehow with my own name managed to forget. But the point is, is that um, true teachers, true ministers are forever sidetracked from interpreting. They are forever put in a special category. You are tubes, you are transmitters of truth, you are not generators of truth. You are not interpreters of truth. And that's good. We, whatever the Lord wants for us, that's what we want. And that's what we need to be happy for. So if any teacher starts to get, hmm, yeah, I have some ideas. Brethren, uh, think twice about it because if you do have ideas, they're not of the Lord and you weren't called of the Lord. Even if it's years afterwards, uh, you were not called of the Lord. The Lord doesn't make a mistake. Any who are called to teach should not aspire to private, uninspired interpretation of the scriptures. If they do, they and all who follow them will have their reward unless they repent. And some uh, possibly do repent, but 
if you think about it, if you cast your mind around with the false prophets, and I'm talking about false prophets, one of the things that I would give Brother Adair a lot of credit for, whether you like to hear it or not, is that he has always said he was not, not inspired. He has always declaimed uh, being a prophet. And brethren, that is not a small thing. If you're going to be unfaithful, at least be unfaithful in a small way as you can, okay? Uh, I'm, I'm not entirely being facetious there. I am saying that, uh, that at least he did not uh, claim prophethood he did not try to start up his own message and so on. And that is a good thing. And those people, and you can make mistakes and you can have uh, very serious and very sad problems, but at least you have to give it to him that he was not a, a, um, one of these prophets, one of these uh, prophets of Baal. And those who follow these people are going to have the same report, reward. And that's a very sad situation. Okay, two more points here. Don't let this happen to you. He does not hear the prayers of those who are walking in the light of the sparks of their own kindling. This is very sad. If you see a person who is a false prophet, he's cut off from the Lord, you know. It's a very, very serious thing to be cut off from the Lord. I don't know how many of you have thought about it. It's not something that I like to think about, but it's something that I have had to think about uh, in various situations. And there are people who look normal, who speak normal, who you think are good, honest um, Davidians. And in fact, I thought this of this brother. And I actually uh, spent a little bit of time uh, encouraging him in this way or that, though it might be hard to anyone who is looking on to tell. But uh, uh, this is a year ago or so, um, six months ago, not recently. Uh, when he's made things clear. But I didn't know for sure that I could tell which way he was going, but I didn't know that he had already crossed the Rubicon, the spiritual Rubicon, as it were. How do you say that, by the way? Is that close? <laughs> okay, good. Uh -huh. um, he and many people like him, you think that they are normal Davidians, Christians, and so on, but they walk in darkness, separated from the Lord in a way that you probably can't even imagine and don't really want to imagine. He does not hear their prayers. They are cut off. And uh, one of the sad things is, don't forget their followers are going to be, have the same reward. They're in the same situation. It's a very serious thing to be a false prophet in Davidia and to be following a false prophet. And I'm gonna close with this from 11 code six, page 13. The word is nothing more or less than the Trinity speaking to us. And this is the message. The message is God speaking to us. God's commission to man joins him to the Trinity and shows that God wants us to be co-laborers with him. Man, the mouthpiece, and the Bible, the word. Here we can see that God gave man a very great part in the work of creation, and he has given us his spirit, one spirit, to aid us in doing it. And the spirit will aid us. He will inspire us to do. He will inspire us to understand, to discern, and to teach the truth in the best way. 
because he has asked us to be co-laborers with him in this final work. It is a great work that he has given us. Not great in the sense that it is huge. A lot of Davidians are very insular and, um, and um, they're not used to thinking about the way the world works and they think 144,000, how are we ever going to get that? Well, brethren, that is nothing in one sense. Uh, there have been, since Brother Hadif, uh brought out the message, uh, the Shepherd's Rod in 1930, there have been many, I would say, dozens of movements that have come up and, and, and uh, brought in more than 144,000 people. In the Philippines and in Africa and other places, I'm just like astounded at all the movements. And there are a lot of them out there. I'm not talking about Adventists. Some, of, some are connected uh, 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 with the church, but I'm talking about Protestant movements. There is a lot out there and they have done a lot in the last uh, 75 years. Getting 144,000 people is not a big thing. They have shown that over and over and over again. If you thought that that was a big thing, that was not the problem. The problem is with us, okay? The Lord doesn't want 144,000 worse sinners than us. He needs 144,000 saints. And it is only as we uh, put on the robe of Christ's righteousness and we become the people day and night in all our interactions, that we become this people, that we will be able to uh, be the mouthpiece, the co-laborer, the actual people going out there and giving this message. And also, of course, we have to be willing to sacrifice. A lot of people not willing to sacrifice their ease, their lifestyle, uh, the, the, the current way that they have a living. No, not me. I'm not called for that. And when we do that, we exempt ourselves from the Lord's uh, service and from the Lord's rewards too, uh, if we continue. But uh, the work that he has given us is a great work. It's the greatest work uh, uh, human beings have ever been given. It is um, great in the sense that we are going to be men and women wondered at. We are going to be the most remarkable people the world has ever seen. Whether they want to acknowledge it or not, they're still going to be impressed. And that is because of who we have allowed the Lord to make us into. And that is the great part of this work. But to going out and collecting 144,000 people, brethren, the enemy has done that multiple times in the Protestant world and maybe not even just enemy. Maybe, maybe the Lord has used some of those churches. The Lord works in more ways than, uh, than we uh, sometimes understand. But many churches have come up out of nowhere and they have half a million, uh, 250,000, uh, 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 even several million of these people in, in the Philippines and Africa and so on you would not believe what's going on out there in the Christian world. Every sort of confusion and deception and so on is, is, is uh, spreading. And the longer that we take to come into full commitment to the Lord, the longer that we take to, to let go of our idols and get the work done that he has given us, 
the bigger our job and the harder our job will be, digging people out of the, of the wrong, of the errors that they're in, okay? So I hope that we will put away our little petty differences as Davidians. Um, the, the sister associations are really closer than they think. And we are separated by people who, and the enemy who wants to keep us separated. And you, brethren, any of you who think uh, badly of our, uh, your sisters, don't. Think well of them, and uh, whether it doesn't matter what they think of us, uh, we need to be uh, um, setting the example. And uh, as we come together, as we come together, we will, in the, with, with, the, with the power of the Lord, we will be unstoppable. And Satan knows that, and that is why he does everything he can to confuse us, to abuse us, and to keep us uh, separated and at loggerheads with each other. Because once we come together, we're going to get this work done that he has given us. And that is, brethren, is the thing that we all want to look forward to. Thank you. God bless you. For listening. This has been a production of the Davidian Seventh-day Adventist Association. You can find us online at www.bashanhill.org and you can call us at 417-835-2162.